Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way, with new eyes. So stay with us, and together we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today, Thoughts on Death and Immortality, Part 2. Before we explore this topic, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bally, founder of the Lucis Trust, and Lucis Trust sponsors this show. Alice Bally also wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy, and those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear on this show. The following thought is also from the works of Alice Bally. Death if we could but realize it, is one of our most practiced activities. We have died many times and shall die again and again. Just as soon as we know ourselves to be souls, we shall no longer know death. How do we help someone prepare to die since humanity knows so little about death? It's um, a question I think all of us will face if we haven't already had to face it. How do we become these experts in the life of the soul, uh, making the greatest uh, transition we know in life, the giving up of the physical body and the passing into um, onto the other side, as it's called? I came across uh, a passage in a book by Alice Bailey, Esoteric Healing, which has a long discussion on the process of death and dying. And she addressed this desire that we have to help people who are getting ready to die and the confusion so many of us have in knowing what to do. We find in the spiritual community a great interest in healing. So many people who embark upon spiritual development almost immediately develop a desire to heal. I'm not sure what they mean by that. I think it probably varies with each individual. Some of them want to heal physical illness. Some of them want to heal the world. Some of them want to heal relationships. Some of them want to heal themselves. But I think they're all responding to a sense that something isn't quite integrated and um, in equilibrium and the healing to them represents a, a, a means to put things right. Alice Bailey was addressing that need of the healer to know what is right action towards a patient, and 
in studying this passage, I think it also applies to anyone who has a loved one or a close friend uh, who is preparing to die, as well as nurses and doctors who deal with the dying as a regular part of their daily service. And I thought it might be nice to just read through some of the statements in this passage on death and the sense of futility we have in helping others. She said, speaking from the standpoint of the healer, but it would also apply to anyone who is helping a loved one to die. In connection with the healer with patience at the gate of death, she said, he may experience a sense of futility. Is it possible to know just what he can do? Should he continue his effort to help the newly freed soul to go forward into the light? In the face of all his knowledge, and in spite of his yearning desire to aid the departing one, there seems nothing to do but step aside with a sense of utter futility, while the loved one passes through that gate, which leads where? We don't know. We can go up to the gates, but it seems as yet we can go no further. Yes, it's a, it's a difficult decision that uh, the um, person administering to the uh, dying one has to make, and it's it's a difficulty because you feel one feels so helpless um, because we have this feeling that perhaps death is the end of everything, and uh, it really isn't. But maybe there is that sense that we're going to lose this loved one and. I wonder often times uh, if it's the comfort of the healer that is really uh, at stake here, not so much the comfort of the one that's dying. Uh, if the the healer kind of gets in the way and thinks that you're going to return this person to to life or to consciousness, then uh, that may be a personal choice, but um, that has to be avoided sometimes, I, I believe. I haven't had a great deal of experience with the medical profession, but I do get the impression that they are their training is really geared, and understandably so, to making sick people well. And thank God for that. I have a great respect for the medical profession. I think it's too easy for the so-called spiritual people to denigrate what the pure science has developed in medical training that may, makes them able to do really marvelous things, but their training gears them to the preservation of the body, rightly so, through medicine, through surgery, through treatment, but I wonder how much training they get in developing an intuitive sense of when it's time to give that up, when it's time to let a person go. Maybe the best doctors and nurses are highly intuitive. Like I say, I haven't had a lot of experience with them. I have the sense that the best of them probably are intuitive in recognizing when enough has been done and the person who is ill really needs to be helped on his or her way. The great server, was her name Cicely Saunders? The mm -hmm. founder of hospice, the hospice yeah. movement. I saw a program on her once. What a marvelous person. And she had had direct personal experience with the very thing we're talking about, letting a loved one go. And um, out of that suffering, she wanted to develop a more humane approach, not only for the sick people, but for those who seek to serve them. 
Right, and uh, that's what we need more and more of. And I think perhaps the medical doctors, to to give them credit, uh, do have a sense of, uh, well, there's no more that he can do or she can do. But oftentimes it's family members that Mm -hmm. want everything done that's possible Mm -hmm. to keep, keep this physical body alive because that's all they they can see that's mm-hmm. all they understand that this is my loved one here and that's all I know and uh, so you have to keep uh, you know keep this body alive as best you can and that's not helping the dying person at all because maybe it's, it's the soul's decision at that point to, to move on and uh, there, that often happens when there is a lack of understanding mm-hmm. what uh, what death really is. That's why this idea of the living mm-hmm. will is so important, and a lot of people probably would prefer not to think about it, but if we can um, let our loved ones know how far we want them to go and uh, what we expect them to do on our behalf if we should become incapacitated, work all that out in advance and make sure our doctor knows about it too, Uh, that can be a great help because I suppose, on the other hand, loved ones don't want to be guilty of not having done enough to press the case, so to speak, for the one who's very ill. How far do we want them to go? Personally, you have my permission to wrap it up pretty promptly because uh, I wouldn't especially want to stay in an incapacitated physical vehicle um, it a lot of it depends, like you say, on how much we know or believe in the continuity of existence, and even that is tested by the most faithful when the time of giving up the body uh, approaches. To go on with this passage, Alice Bailey wrote, "Aid at a time of passing into the light depends largely upon two things." First, the amount of close contact between the dying person and the one who watches, and the level upon which that contact is strongest, and secondly, upon the capacity of the watcher to detach and disassociate himself from his own feelings, and to identify himself through an act of pure, unselfish will with the dying person. So, it's really all about the one who's dying, not about those who stand and observe. Right, and the forget that. the um, uh, advice here to detach and dis- uh, disassociate oneself from one's emotional feelings at the moment, that's very hard to do, of course, mm-hmm. if you're strongly attached to this uh, dying person. But um, if, if one can stand back, and just let the process take uh, work itself out, and then there'll be a much uh, much more quickly a, a quicker release and a more peaceful release, and that's very important to the soul because uh, there's probably nothing worse than crying and and lamenting and and beating of the breast and all of the uh, the emotional scenes that sometimes you see in the in the death room that uh, actually it may prolong the uh, process of death rather because it strengthens the the emotional pull on the physical body and that uh, 
kind of acts as a blockage for the soul to uh, do its work of extricating itself from this physical body. It's the emotional pull that holds the person to the physical world. There's an interesting point related to that. Um, In this passage we're reading, Alice Bailey said there should be as little definite thought or thinking as possible on the part of the watcher. This isn't a time to call in the reasoning um, uh, analytical mind. She said all that is required and possible at present is simply to carry the dying person forward on an ever-deepening stream of love through the power of the creative imagination, she said, and not through intellectual concepts, no matter how high. The dying person will be aided to discard the outer garment, meaning the body, in which he has been encased and which he has labored during life. And this involves an act of pure self-forgetfulness. She said most people are swept by fear and they don't know really what lies ahead of the person, but giving them simply as much love and sustaining them with an attitude of positivity and hope seems to be the best service we can give them. Mm. I think that this, this fear comes from this prolonged and uh, attachment to the form nature and everything that we know about this person has to do with the form, with the physical body and uh, the uh, the emotional part of this person and the quality of this person and uh, so it, it's all very physical and we, we see the ending of this physical appearance of this physical body and it produces fear because we don't know what lies beyond and uh, this is perhaps uh, part of the fault of religious training down through the dip, down through the ages uh, of uh, not really understanding the whole process of death, and it uh, it kind of feeds this this fear. For those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Inner Sight. Our topic for today: thoughts on death and immortality, part two. We have a special offer from Lucis Publishing Company, and that's the Alice Bailey book, Death, The Great Adventure. Death, The Great Adventure is a compilation of extracts on the spiritual meaning of death from the books of Alice Bailey. Just to give you an example, the following is a quote from uh, Death, The Great Adventure. The present cycle is the end of the age, and the next 200 years we'll see the abolition of death, as we now understand that great transition, and the establishing of the fact of the soul's existence. It's now available for $12. You get free shipping and handling if you write a little note saying you heard about the offer on Inner Sight. So what you need to do to take uh, advantage of this offer is mention that you'd like to uh, have the book, you'd like to purchase the book, Death, The Great Adventure, and it's $12, so you you can write out a check for it. Send us a money letter for $12. Uh, once again, it's uh, $12. You get free shipping if you mention that you heard about it at Inner Sight. So $12 to Lucis Publishing Company, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. Once again, check or money letter, $12. The book is Death, The Great Adventure. 
Send it to Lucis Publishing Company, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. All of our uh, InnerSight programs can be heard on our website at www.lucistrust.org. On the home page, you'll find a link to today's program, which will be available for hearing in a day or two. Last week's program is already available, and many of our past programs can also be heard. Once again, it's www.lucistrust.org. The theme of each week's program is posted in advance on our website so that you can see in advance what next Sunday's program will be. You can reach us anytime on our toll-free number. Uh, many people ask uh, or call and ask for a general package of information. Uh, so if you'd like to contact us on our toll-free number, it's one 866 695-8247. That's one 695 The easy way to remember it is one 866 Think of one 866 Uh Your donations to us, by the way, are tax-deductible, uh, and that's what helps keep us on the air. We can continue doing these radio shows that many of you have expressed interest in. If you send your tax-deductible doni- deduct- tax donation to us, uh, send donations to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10004. We really, excuse me, 10005. We really appreciate that support. Uh, uh, the effort to do radio is something we all enjoy here, and we love doing it, but it is expensive. So please continue to offer that support in the form of your donations. Um, we have um, another excerpt. Uh, Sarah was so good to um, take an excerpt from one of the Alice Bailey books before. She has another excerpt uh, today related to our our uh, topic of thoughts on death and immortality from the works of Alice Bailey. This one is from the Alice Bailey book, Esoteric Healing. So maybe you can start with that, please, Sarah. Yes. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the program, there's a lot of... Um, discussion on the process of death within this book, Esoteric Healing. Interestingly, sometimes healing involves preparation for death. That's a part of healing, restoring the soul to its um, uh, intended next step involves letting the body go when the time is right. We were talking before the break about how to help people who have passed into the light And uh, we were saying, Alice Bailey was telling us, that we should follow them with our love. And she said, serve them, but seek not that they should serve your need of them. Go to them, but seek not to bring them back to you. And that leads into this next passage from Esoteric Healing. Alice Bailey wrote on death as an act of restitution. The relinquishing of the body is an act of restitution, which is quite fascinating to ponder on. She said the theme of death has to be approached by us with as much of the spirit of normalcy and of scientific investigation as we can manage. She wrote of the fear complex of humanity over the whole act of dying and the the fear of failing to survive. It's a basic fear. And yet she pointed out dying is the commonest phenomenon upon our planet. The act of dying is the great 
universal ritual which governs our entire planetary life. Everything that inhabits a form will have to relinquish that form at some point, and that we call dying. But she said only in the human family and very faintly in the animal kingdom is the reaction of fear found. Right, and as we said earlier, the, the fear is because the close identification with that form, with the physical substance, the physical body, and we see that, that is the person, that is, mm-hmm. that is my, my loved one, is this physical body, and to an, a certain extent that's true. That's how we see ourselves too, uh, I am my I, body. Yeah, I am my body, I am these emotions, these feelings, these thoughts, all come through me and that's that's what uh, I am and this is what you see what you see is what you get mm. kind of thing And uh, but um, that's as it says in the teachings is also part of the great illusion because um, it isn't what we really are what we are in this particular life is kind of illusory it's, it's uh, a fabrication it's what has been created by the personality focus, but it's not the real person, it's not the real you, it's not the real I, there is this I-self that continues on. And um, so I think if we can begin to think of the dying process in these terms, that we may be giving up the physical body, but we're not giving up this being, this loving being, because that's the one that part of you that continues on. And when this being does depart, uh, it just goes to the other side, uh, to another side, to another dimension. It's still there, but it's still not in a, in a physical body anymore. But it's in a an etheric body for a while, and then it, eventually it returns to the source, and this is the restitution aspect of it. It's very hard to think of (coughs) ourselves or of anyone uh, we know in terms of consciousness, of being consciousness, and yet that is what the soul is. The soul is consciousness, awareness. How that could be disassociated from the physical body and brain is especially hard in this materialistic scientific age, where Science continually seems to link identity and thought with the brain mechanism. The mind uses the brain, but the mind doesn't depend upon the brain when it is no longer working through a body. And this is something I think science has to figure out and will at some point. This idea of restitution touches upon the letting go of the physical body and letting it return to the realm of substance. She, Alice Bailey, said, if you could see the etheric world as those on the inner side of life experience and see it, you would see going on ceaselessly and without any pause the great planetary act of restitution. She said you would see a great activity proceeding within the etheric world in which the anima mundi, the animal soul, and the human soul are constantly restoring the substance of all physical forms to the great reservoir of essential substance. I wonder if that's what lies behind the Hindu 
religious custom uh, on the death of a person, putting the person on a pyre and setting fire to it, they probably see that as an act of restoration of that material Mm -hmm. substance of the body to the source from which it came. Well, fire is a great uh, purifying agent, and it does, uh, in fact, it, it, it speeds up the releasing process mm-hmm. a great deal because the um, uh, as, as long as there is a physical body and an etheric body and an emotional body uh, still there, then it takes longer for the soul to extract itself from these uh, different bodies and as it, on its journey back to the source of which the uh, its own higher self and uh, so in, that's why it, it's suggested that cremation is a, is a much better and a faster way of gaining the release of the soul from these different bodies that's one of the benefits of cremation because it does uh, speed up the whole process There is a universal element to fire also that I think is involved in this process of the funeral pyre or of cremation. The the burning up of the physical substance of the body when it's no longer needed returns it to its dimension of um, the etheric realm where it is part, as Alice Bailey put it, of the great reservoir of essential substance. We tend to think of my body as mine, and your body is yours. Yes, on the outer level of material existence, but spiritually we are all drawing from the same reservoir. We create our bodies upon incarnation by drawing from this universal reservoir of substance, and when we are done with our bodies, we return them to this universal reservoir. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could deal with the planetary crisis, the climate change crisis, and the way that um, the Earth itself uh, has to deal with the act of restitution and the death of forms in a way that really respected this universal reservoir and didn't just plunder and take from the various kingdoms? Well, of course, nature has its its ways. It's been, as it says in the quote, it's been dealing with, it's been a universal ritual which for the entire planetary life. And so death is not a new thing for planet Earth. And you, you can see we're not a charnel house here. No. There is, it's a very beautiful Earth in spite of all of the death of forms. And don't we see that after a fire in the forest when things are cleared away and new life can sprout up? Some years ago there was a terrible fire in Yellowstone and we thought, we were told that uh, the park had been irretrievably damaged. But some months later new life sprang up and uh, they were amazed at how quickly life restored itself after this great fire. So it is with the human being. We return and we are experts and it is all utterly normal, the living and dying. It's a rhythm, a cycle that we all follow, and we should trust it. Please take advantage of the special offer from Lucis Publishing Company, and that's the Alice Bailey book, Death, The Great Adventure. Death, The Great Adventure is a compilation of extracts on the spiritual meaning of death from the books of Alice Bailey. 
And what you need to do, if you'd like to take advantage of the offer, is send us a check or a money order, $12. Um, it's free shipping and handling if you make a little notation saying that you heard about the offer on inner site. So that's $12, check or a money order. Ask for the death, ask for death, the great adventure, and send your check or money order to Lucis Publishing, Lucis, L-U-C-I-S, Lucis Publishing Company, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. You've been listening to Inner Sight. Now we would like to close with a world prayer called the Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.